Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. This is your host, Tana M. Session of TanaMSession.com. Yes, I have a name for my podcast now. As you can tell from the graphic promoting it, it's called Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. Now, why is it called Stop Being the Best Kept Secret? Well, first of all, it's because that is the name of my trademark coaching program and one of my signature talks that I do when I'm speaking publicly um, for different events. So I decided to stick with the theme, stick with the branding, especially since I invested in the trademark and name my podcast the exact same thing. So Stop Being the Best Kept Secret is the name of the podcast that you'll be listening to now hosted by me, Tana M. Session. And you can follow me and learn more about me on TanaMSession.com. And you can find me on all social media platforms under Tana M. Session. So if you go and Google me, you'll find out who I am and what I do. But anyway, I wanted to talk today about something very um, provocative, I will say. And it's based on a conversation that I had with someone this week about my experience in corporate America. And I found out that I wasn't the only one who had this experience. So a lot of times when you're in situations, you think that you're the only one that this happened to. You think that no one else understands your story and that um, you're unique in some way. So let me show you what my story was and and the conversation I had with, with a colleague. So when I was in corporate America, I was the head of HR for multiple companies. And I've been in HR for most of my career, if not all of my career. I started out as an admin assistant and I was able to grow my, grow my career to the top human resource executive for different companies. And what I realized is that being a woman of color in power is an intimidating thing for white women. And I say that because I experienced this on multiple occasions at multiple employers. So here's, here's an example. I had a mentor who was a white woman who really helped groom me in my career in human resources. And she's the reason why I even got into human resources because she really saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And I was her admin assistant, so I reported to her. I helped her keep her life organized. And as a result, she became a mentor. And so over the years, and this, this started in my early 20s. And so over the years, um, she and I have worked together multiple times. Well, it came to a point where in my career, I was at the same level as her and pretty much the same income level as her. And our relationship changed almost overnight. So from what became, uh, I would call her aunt. She was like an aunt to me. She knew me before I got married. She knew me before I had my son. She saw me grow up as a woman. She saw me grow up as a wife, a mother, and as a woman in her career. But once we became peers and we were able to sit at the same table with one another, our relationship shifted and it changed. I didn't realize it at the time what was happening. I just realized that she wasn't as available to me as she had been before. There was a little distance between us um, that hadn't been there before. And I also realized that she wasn't sharing as much with me in terms of her struggles, things she was going, that was going you know, good or bad in her career and her life. And again, I just realized that the relationship started to shift. I had to sit back and think about what happened, why did it happen, and was there something I personally did? And the only thing I could attribute it to was the fact that I had now become what they say the student has become the teacher. It was a point where she had to start asking me for help with things that she was struggling with in her career. And, you know, I was able to provide information or resources 
or even do things for her that she was no longer able to do because she had kind of reached a plateau in terms of um, you know where she was with her HR operations skill set, which was a strength for me. HR operations is, is you know where I kind of cut my teeth and earned my butter. And I realized after sitting back and really thinking about what happened to our relationship, I realized that it was an intimidation factor for her, that she now needed me more than I needed her. And although we were peers, quote unquote, at the same level and pretty much the same income, uh, I really had excelled from where she was in terms of my knowledge of certain things about HR. So I no longer had to reach out to her and ask for her guidance and her support and her assistance and her resources. She was now doing it with me. That's one example. I had another example where I was working for a company and I was their vice president of human resources and I reported to the um, executive director, so the person who ran this, this company. And there was another white woman on his leadership team um, who was, um, I would say, a peer to me. In my mind, she was a peer, um, although she had been with the organization for many, many years. However, when I first started there, I looked to her as a mentor in many ways because, again, she had been with the company for quite some time. She had a lot of knowledge. She knew where the bodies were buried, and she could really walk me through landmines and things to avoid in regards to employee relations and just different things I may, be, I may have been thinking about doing with um, regards to human resources. And that worked out pretty good for probably five months. At about the five-month park part, the executive director really started to take a liking to me and invited me to dinners and um, other social affairs that um, he had never invited, like the other person who was in that role before in HR, he had never invited that individual to those types of events. And, you know, he was very jokey jokey with me. And um, I think when I think about, again, looking back, of course, it's always 2020, looking back on um, what happened between she and I, our relationship shifted as well and it shifted when he started asking me to sit next to him at dinners or at different events or at our leadership team meetings weekly leadership team meetings he would want me to sit next to him and I took it as him wanting to take me under his wing and just really help guide me um, in this new role I think she took it as this is someone who could take my position in regards to she wanted to be next in line to run the organization. I had no desire to do that, um, you know, at all. And I was quite comfortable with the position I had as their vice president of HR because that's what I wanted. But I think in her mind, she saw me as a threat. I didn't see her as one. Well, what happened there was she basically started a campaign against me. Um, so anytime there was anything that went wrong in regards to a human resource issue or an employee relations issue, it got blown up tenfold. Oftentimes before it even came to my attention of what was going on. I had a staff underneath me and people who were handling the day-to-day, so I was really on the strategic end of HR at this point, but I kind of kept a finger on the pulse of what was happening around the company. Um, and the company was, you know, about 900 employees and it was spread across, you know, multiple locations, but still in all, I was very close to my team and to what was happening with the staff. But I realized that things that weren't that big of an issue, you know, prior to myself and the executive director starting to get along very well, all of a sudden they were. 
and things that she and I had talked about in private in what I consider to be my coaching and mentoring sessions with her now started being discussed in public arenas. And I've had to sit and think to myself, why is this happening? And what is happening here? And what has changed between she and I? Because again, I was still approaching her as a mentor and as someone I could learn from. And I, again, started realizing I was no longer on her schedule. We used to meet on a regular basis. All of a sudden, our meetings started getting canceled. Um, you know, we would have lunch together. We even worked out together because we would both get in so early in the morning. There was a gym at the, at the office and we would work out together. And all of a sudden, she stopped working out in the morning. And I thought, okay, this is odd. Well, maybe she has some, a busy schedule. Um, but I would see her later and she would be working out in the afternoon. I'm thinking, hmm, okay. So at first, didn't think there was a pattern, didn't think there was an issue. But eventually, stepping back from it, I started to assess the situation and realized that, okay, things aren't going as well here because this woman, for whatever reason, um, I think is intimidated by me. And I ultimately decided to leave that organization, and not just because of her, but ultimately it wasn't a good fit for me in terms of my career but I left the organization about six months later. I didn't, I didn't even stay there for a whole year. Um, I, I tell people that place is like Peyton Place, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there now. That's a topic for another episode. But what I realized was that the higher up I got, the more intimidated white women were by me. And, and talking to a peer of mine, a colleague of mine, just this last week, I realized it wasn't just me. It didn't just happen to me. It happened to them as well. And it was one of the reasons why they left corporate America. Because what they realized was, you know, as long as they, you know, played their position, quote unquote, everything was fine. But once we stepped out of the box and once we started having opinions and making decisions and having a budget and staff and being seen as someone with a seat at the table, the relationships would change between us and our white female peers. Now, why that is, to say I could figure that out right now, I can't. What I do know is that women as a group are disenfranchised in the workplace in a lot of ways. And I just read some statistics about female CEOs of Fortune 500s, and it's less than 5% on the Fortune 500 that are run by females. And that's as of May, 2018. So that tells you right there that we are still the minority when it comes to leadership, but yet and still we don't support each other, regardless of nationality or ethnicity, but just as women, period. Why don't we support each other? I've had this situation happen to me at another company that I also ultimately left as well. Very similar situation. Women have been with the company for a very long time. I came in with new ideas and new initiatives and you know was moving the company forward very quickly and the CEO was you know cheering me on and very very excited to have me on the team and after about a year year and a half the relationship between me and this woman started to drift and this again was someone who I looked at as a mentor she had been with the company for many many years knew everyone there um, she too had grown up in the company and so I really admired her career path we had a lot of things in, in common in that we both had sons that were in high school. Um, she was uh, the, the main breadwinner in her home. The husband stayed at home and took care of the son. Well, that was the same thing with me and my husband. Uh, you know, got to a point in my career where I needed him to stay home and he was able to do that because I was making the money for us to be able to have that lifestyle. And so a lot of things we had in common. And the other thing I realized about her was that at one point she 
used to be a lot heavier in terms of her size. And she had worked really, really hard to lose a lot of weight. She had lost a lot of weight. I mean, by the time I met her, I would never have known that she had, you know, been the size that she had been. Well, she shared with me that she had lost about 100 pounds, which is phenomenal. And I just really, you know, gave her credit for that. And even asked her to share with me some of her tips. And she turned me on to this app called My Fitness Pal, and that helped me lose weight. And we were, like, talking about, you know, how much weight I was losing, et cetera. So, again, we started off really, really good. But when the CEO and the board of directors really started giving me my kudos and really started empowering me to make decisions that did not involve vetting it through her or running it by her or even me having to sit down and discuss it with her, which is what I had been doing originally, um, the relationship shifted because she, I guess, lost her stronghold on me or lost the power over me. And as a result of that happening, what I realized was she, too, started doing things behind my back from an HR perspective to um, really um, sabotage me. And once I really got wind of it and really understood what was happening, because again, I was quite blindsided. I didn't expect it. I kind of went in with, you know, a deer in the headlights, you know, thinking the best of everyone, giving everyone the benefit of the doubt until they showed me who they were. And once she showed me who she was, and this is the same case with the other two women, I immediately retreated. I immediately put my guard up, guard of protection up, and I handled them with a 10-foot pole. And I realized that as long as these women were in power, because each of them were in a powerful position, as long as they were in power, I knew that this was not going to be good for me in this organization. So I made the decision to leave, which was the best decisions that I made overall, hands down. I don't regret it at all. Now, could I have waited them out and try to figure out what was, you know, if there was something I could do or try to get into the ear of the CEO. Yeah, probably, but it wasn't worth my energy and it wasn't worth the time that it would have taken, at least to me, because I knew that I could do just as well or better somewhere else. Ultimately, I did decide to leave corporate America um, because one of the reasons being that I felt I needed to bet on myself and I knew that if I made these companies millions of dollars, I could do the same for myself. And that's what I've been working on now since I left my company almost three years ago, my last job. Um, and my plan is not to go back. I, I'd rather go in as a consultant, which is what I do. But what I realized very quickly was that I can't be fit into a box. I can't let my light dim so that other people can feel comfortable. I just can't do it. I've tried, I've done it for many years. And I think the older I get, the less likely it is that I will bend and do that now. So the best thing for me to do is to be my own boss and to be out here, um, you know, betting on myself every single day, knowing that what my value is and what I bring to any company as a consultant is the best way for me to be successful. And as a consultant, guess what? They are now paying me to tell them what to do. So I don't have to worry about campaigns being run behind my back or sabotaging of my career because they're paying me a premium to come in and tell them what they need to fix, how they need to fix it, how long it will take for them to fix it, and what they need to do to fix it. So those are the same things I was doing in my job as a full-time HR executive. And was it appreciated? Sometimes, but a lot of times not, depending on what the situation was and who was in power. So. I say that to say that I'm not the only one who has experienced this. 
And what I realized is that there's ways to mitigate it. And a lot of times the ways to mitigate it is to take control of your own destiny and decide what are you willing to tolerate? What aren't you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to compromise on? What aren't you willing to compromise on? You have to know your core value system because if you don't know what you stand for, then you will fall for anything. Whether it's the money, the title, the prestige, the corner office, the big desk, the staff, um, you know, the position of power. All of those things can blind you and also taint your decision making. It could also set you up for failure in the long run. So what I had to do and what the colleague uh, who I was talking to earlier this week who was in a similar situation and shared with me, she suffered the same type of situation. We both said, you know, we had to just take a step back and really reevaluate ourselves and evaluate what's important to us in terms of what we're willing to tolerate and what we're willing to put up with and what we're not. And then put a pin in it and say, okay, here's what it needs to look like for me. And if it doesn't look like this, then it's not for me. Now, I know that's not an easy decision to make, and it's not always an easy decision to make to just get up and leave your job and decide that, you know, that's, that's what you're going to do and you're just going to, you know, go out on your own. You got to have a plan. I had, I had a plan, and I stuck to that plan, and I'm still sticking to it. So I dealt, And I tell my clients the same thing. You got to have a plan. You can't just go out here blind and just, you know, make emotional decisions and then jump off a bridge and say, oh, I figured it out on the way down. In some cases, that may work. Um, But when you're talking about your career and you're talking about, you know, your income, you better have a plan. So don't be fooled by people telling you to follow your passion, follow your dream. You don't have to put up with this and go be your own boss. Um, They probably have plans, too. So just make certain that you are wise in those decisions that you make, because a lot of times you can't go back. Now, would I ever go back into a corporate job and and as a full time employee? I never say never. It's not on my list of things to do. It's not on my desire. It's not, it's not my desire, rather, and it's definitely not what I'm working toward. Uh, I feel like I've been spending this time, you know, almost three years now, um, as, a, as a recording of this episode, um, of building my brand, building my business, and just really moving it forward for myself and for my family. So you got to have a plan. And don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't. Don't let anyone tell you that just go for it. No, have a plan. Um, you know, if you fail the plan, you plan to fail. So definitely have a plan. And that's not to say I won't ever go back into corporate America. I've learned to never say never. I will just say that it's not something that is on my vision board right now. (laughs) It's not something that I am considering. I've actually, you know, been approached with different offers this year. This year, the recording of this episode makes almost three years that I've been an entrepreneur. And, you know, it's been rewarding. It's scary. It's exciting. It's fun. Um, it's tiresome, it's exhausting, um, it's hard. I feel like I'm earning a, a second MBA or even a doctorate program at this point because that's just how hard it is. I've invested you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars into myself and my business to learn what I need to not learn in order to grow as far as I have over these last almost three years. And it still continues. I will continue to invest in myself. I will continue to put um, work in and, you know, yes, I'm working longer hours probably than I did in corporate America. Maybe not, honestly. I was probably doing 60, 70 hour weeks in corporate. Here I'm probably doing 70, 80. And it's only because I'm home. So I get up earlier. I don't have to commute. And I'm able to spend more time in front of my computer and more time with business development, talking to clients, 
and, and um, putting out speaker proposals and coming up with ideas like this podcast. So, but when it's yours, you don't feel like it's work. You feel like it's exciting. You can see the, vi- you know, your vision and that's what you're working towards and you don't want to stop until you accomplish it. So you set, you know, very aggressive goals. At least I do for myself, very aggressive goals. And um, you just continue to push yourself forward until you're able to accomplish those goals. You do the same thing in corporate, but you understand that those goals are really going towards someone else's greater plan. All of my goals are going towards my own personal greater plan. And as I said earlier, if I can make those organizations millions of dollars over the years, which I know I have multi-millions of dollars through all of my HR initiatives that I've done from recruiting, performance development, promotions, et cetera, succession planning, HR operations, infrastructure, blah, 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 the list goes on. I know I can do the same thing for me. Same thing for me. And you can do the same thing for you, but you got to have a plan. Now, again, I want to get back to the topic or just close with the topic and saying that especially for black women in corporate America, as you're growing your career, the best thing to do is to have yourself a really good board of directors around you. And by that, I mean, have yourself a good sponsor, a good mentor, a good advocate, and a good coach. You want to surround yourself. You want to have like, you want to circle the wagons, have the wagons circle around you to protect you when things like this come up. Because I guarantee you, if you live long enough and you grow your career high enough, you're going to run across these types of situations. Now, there are not, this does not apply to every single white woman in corporate America. Okay, so I want to take that off the table. It doesn't apply to every single one. And this is my particular experience and the experience of one of my colleagues. I'm sure there are others out here, out here who have had really good experiences and maybe even have had white women as their mentors, like I did in the beginning of my career, who are still mentoring them and still supporting them and still their sponsor and their advocate. And that's fantastic. If you have that person in your life, hold on to them because they are important. They're very important to have. Now, if you can align yourself with, you know, whether it's a male or a female, whether they're, you know, of color or white, doesn't matter. You've got to make certain that you have a good support system around you to help you, to buffer you, to have your back who are saying good things about you when you're not in the room, who can advocate on your behalf to make sure you're getting on the right projects, that you're up for the right types of promotions in the right departments. That's going to be important for you to grow your career internally. And I'll talk more about growing your career internally and career, internal career management in another episode. Um, but I just wanted to share that, this topic. Again, this is Stop Being the Best Kept Secret, hosted by Tana M. Session of TanaMSession.com. I welcome your comments. I hope you're enjoying my episode so far. Come back every week for a new episode.